know, pray for my wife. She's homesick. Um, if you know Lynette, for her not to come to church, man. Uh, don't record this yet, but <laughs> she's probably watching. But uh, <laughs> she doesn't have COVID, thank God. We took the COVID test yesterday. She just got a bad one, man, and she's in bed. And I just think it's a good way for her to rest. If you know Lynette, she's a runner, man. She's, she's all over the place. You know, so it's good. I'm, I'm glad she's chilling uh, at home and I'm trying to be the best husband I can be, you know, and, and, and helping my wife. And uh, so keep her in your prayers. That will be much appreciated. Also pray for our graduation year this year to prepare for graduation in 2025. As we read already, we're excited about that. Nervous. Uh, don't like transitions. Uh, introverts and people like myself are very insecure I feel at times, I don't know about you, in times of transitions in life, big ones, is when I feel the most vulnerable, the most worried about the future. You know, all that stuff Jesus said not to do. You know? uh, so pray for us. Pray for the leaders. Pray for our church. And for those of you who signed on to be members and those of you in the process, I just want to say thank you because that's only possible because the Lord keeps adding to our church people who say that Christ Alone Fellowship is their home church. So we thank you uh, for making that possible for us to move forward and to be a light and to be salt in our city. Our city desperately needs it. Um, we're here for a reason. And so continue to pray for us with that. So we're going to go into Luke 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 is our text. If you know, we've been going through the gospel of Luke together. Uh, we're almost at the finish line. And after uh, Luke chapter 17, we will be going through the book of Acts together uh, to finish Luke's take on what the early church did during its infancy. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Oh, by the way, quick note for moms who are nursing. You can go downstairs. We did set up the room down there. For those of you who have toddlers or little ones that need to move around and and do their thing, the room is still available downstairs. So just a heads up on that. Because of the renovation we're taking, uh, that we're doing, that room upstairs will no longer be in use until the end of January. So just a heads up. Luke 17, 11 through 19, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village... He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Father, be with us. We desperately need you today. We thank you that you brought us here safely. Let me pray for those that are sick. Pray for those that aren't feeling well, for those watching, that you will bring wholeness and healing to them. You are master and Lord over all sickness, over our bodies, over the earth, over the universe. And so, Lord, we trust you for the healing of those that are sick. 
And we ask, Lord, that for those who are spiritually sick, who need you to be Savior and Lord of their lives, we pray that you would open their hearts like you did Lydia's. That you would, Father, come in and make your abode with them. Be with us, Lord. And for those of us who are believers and God have weights on us, have things going on in our minds and in our hearts, I pray, Lord, that somehow, somewhere your word will take root in our hearts that we would praise and rejoice you as did the Samaritan in our text. Be with us, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. When was the last time God did something that caused you to praise and give thanks? When's the last time? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's, it's complicated, I think, sometimes when I ask that question for people because sometimes either it be a self-indulged lifestyle that causes one to have no room to notice what God is doing. That could happen. We... For someone in that type of lifestyle where they're distracted with their lives, done and is doing. What may also be difficult is going through a difficult and overwhelming situation. Events that challenge us can easily cloud our need to thank God. The fact that we are here, though, and able to pray and read the word together is a miraculous event. For some of you who have been through it, the fact that you are here and have survived is a miracle. I know some of y'all right now going through things. For you to sit here and to want God still is a miracle from God. But when was the last time you praised God and gave thanks? Because sometimes that it, praise and giving thanks to God is not conditional on your circumstances, though. Sometimes it does happen where God does something miraculous and good, and then praise comes out. But he demands praise nonetheless. Because he's always good. In our text, there was one who did give thanks to God, and it came from someone highlighted as an example so that we understand that thanksgiving and praise, regardless of social status or situation, can be authentic expression, which God receives and considers good. Many come to church to get their spiritual fix to alleviate their guilt. You know, some people just, it's a checkbox. My conscience could be clear for the rest of the week just because I came to church. That's not what church is for. Church is for the building up with truth. So that when you're walking through your week, you remember you are to notice God throughout your week. He's there in the midst of bad news as well. He's there during times of abundance. God doesn't change. He ain't go nowhere. He's right here with us. And he wants you to notice that regardless of what the world or what your circumstances are saying to you. This is not to alleviate guilt here today, to pat you on the back and say, yo, you're good. You're okay. No, sometimes life is not okay. Amen. 
But God is always good. God has not come to give you an aspirin for your guilt. He came to altogether remove it. (laughs) He didn't come to apply medicine to you. He came to do surgery. And what the ten lepers needed most was not healing from leprosy. They needed to see Jesus as praiseworthy, meaning they needed a faith that was authentic, genuinely expressed and fully Included into the church is what they needed in our text. They needed praise. They needed to worship God. They needed authentic trust in the Lord more than physical healing. So our outline for today, saints, for those of you who are note takers, point number one, the request of the 10 in verses 11 through 13, the request of the 10. Second point, the return of the one. Verses 15 through 16, the return of the one. And then lastly, third point, the reason for the miracle. The reason for the miracle, verses 17 through 19. So point number one, the request of the 10, verse 11. It's important to get some background on what's going on here. It says on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along Samaria and Galilee. And after Solomon's death, if you remember our studies in 1 Kings, the northern tribes separated from Judah And Benjamin in the south, Judah became the southern kingdom, while the northern kingdom was initially referred to as Israel. So if you don't know, back in the Old Testament times, there was a split between God's people. There was people in the north, people in the south. And so Jesus travels from the north in Israel to Judah here in our text. And the route that Jesus aimed for was to cross the Jordan all the way down through Galilee, through Samaria to Jerusalem. So he's traveling south. While traveling through Samaria, Samaritans considered anybody traveling from the north to the south to Jerusalem as something offensive. Because uh, Samaritans didn't believe uh, Jerusalem was the, the main you know, point of location for prayer. They had another mountain they were praying to. We have a record in Luke chapter 9 verses 51 through 53 that tells us, that, but the people did not receive Jesus because his face was toward Jerusalem. So Jesus made it very clear, I'm going to Jerusalem because that's the place where we ought to worship. And Samaritans were saying, nah, that's not it. Mount Gerizim is the place. So there was beef about that. So on his way to Jerusalem, verses 12 and 13 tell us, verse 12, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Verse 13 And lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what is a leper? Well, they suffered from a form of bacterial infection that affected the skin. And because of it, they were considered ceremonially unclean. And you know, people saw it as a danger to getting others sick in the community. The bones and the marrow were also infected with the disease. So the joints of the hands and feet lose their strength and the body's limb and the whole body can become deformed and unable to do essential functions. This is not a pretty sight. Lepers did not look attractive. They looked very sick, very ill, and considered unclean and unable and unfit to be in community with God's people. Luke tells us that they stood at a distance, most likely because they had leprosy. And this was because Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, it says the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes 
and the hair is to be hung loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Verse 46, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So the appearance on not only how their skin looked or how deformed their bodies have been, but the torn clothing, the loose hair, the reputation for being diseased caused much grief and was most likely the reason they stood distant. They were people you stood away from. So what would a sick person do if they heard of someone who could heal their, their diseases? Can you imagine being sick, unable to get healed, and then you hear about someone coming into town who already did significant healings in the past? They would cry out. As the text tells us, they lifted their voices, it says. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I noticed something here because I took my Greek class, y'all. You know, I paid for that. Well, actually, the church paid for that. Thank you, church. <laughs> the interesting thing about the title master here is that it is only used in the Gospel of Luke in the Greek. Apistatis meant one who is set over, a person of high status. The ten lepers here recognize his status as over their diseases. They must have heard the reports about what Jesus done already. Luke 5.15 tells us that a report of what Jesus had done went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Jesus had already healed many people of diseases, so it would be no surprise that people already heard what Jesus did. Luke 5.12-16, Jesus healed a man with leprosy already. The power Jesus displayed over diseases told them and us, that Jesus has authority or status over diseases. That's who he is. That's what he does. And I would argue that's what he continues to do. Does Jesus heal today? He does. We have the privilege to pray for that. To say, Lord, please heal my wife who right now is sick. Doesn't guarantee it. Because she's at home right now sick. But it guarantees that I can come to God and ask and place my faith in him nonetheless. Article 22 of our uh, statement of faith on divine healing says this. It is the believer's privilege to seek the will of the Lord in matters of physical healing. This healing, whether by natural, medical or supernatural means, must come from the omnipotent God who created the human body. The believer may implore the Lord for physical restoration according to the scriptures. And if the healing is for the highest glory of God, his power will be displayed. We do believe in this today. And we still believe that Jesus is master over diseases. And because of what has happened to many today, there is a need to clarify how to pray for healing, though. The request made here was for healing. But notice what they said in their request. They said... Have mercy on us. Have pity on us. Compassion on us. They're saying be gracious to us. Show gracious favor on us. It can also mean pardon and forgive us our sin. What does this request for healing teach us when it comes to seeking the will of the Lord in matters of physical healing? Number one, it shows us that when making a request, it should be done in humility. Have pity, be gracious, show gracious favor on us. 
Notice what they don't say, which I hear today. I believe you will do it. That's not in there. I'm a child of God. That's not in there. I hear that. I came from that. I'm owed this because you died on the cross for this. You have to do this. Who are you, old man? See, that's a, you know, what's happening there, it's an identity crisis happening in the church. Where God did things, there are imperatives that God did. He did heal us of our diseases. He did do what he did. But it doesn't guarantee that when you wake up and sick that he has to heal you then. Or that circumstances are running in your favor then. God, I need this to happen. I need this. No, you know what you need most is to do what the leper did. Trust in the Lord. He knows what he's doing. Job understood this very well, didn't he? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Oh, I, I believe you'll do it, Lord. You have to do it. I'm a child of God. Jesus, you have to do this. You don't see that in the text, do you? The second thing is shows a belief that Jesus is master. Jesus is over diseases. Jesus is over all things. The status of Jesus is above all things. And he proved this already in the healings he had performed already. Do you believe this, saint? Not just over disease, but over all things. Can you call Jesus today apostatis, master? Can you say that in situations that are out of your control? Can you still call him Lord when things are falling apart? Can you still trust that he knows what he's doing when you don't know what he's doing? Been there, done that, and messed up. I wish I could go back and be like, because now it makes sense why the Lord allowed some things to happen in my past that I didn't understand. Now it makes sense. The pain I went through was so that I can communicate that pain to someone who's going through it today. There's a reason for your pain. There's a reason for suffering. And it's always to help somebody else do theirs. We look at the story of Job and I thank God for that story. It makes sense. At the end, he said, Lord, I've heard of you with my ears. But then he says, but now my eyes have seen you. He went from hearing about God in the beginning when he was offering sacrifices and blessed abundantly, went through his suffering, then came out and said, I heard of you, but y'all, I seen you in my suffering. That's the purpose of it. Suffering teaches us. It taught the Lord, it says in Hebrews. He learned much through suffering. Do you believe this? It took leprosy for the ten here to get desperate enough to believe Jesus to be the master that could heal them. What would it take to know what they said for today? This is how we are to request of God. It should be in faith that he is over all things. What did Jesus do with this request? Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Straight from Leviticus chapter 13. It says that when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, 
and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or one of his sons. And so leprosy made someone not only unfit to be social, but also it made them ceremonially unclean. So Jesus wanted them to be examined not only to confirm that their diseases were healed, but also he wanted them to be restored into community. But not only that, there's something else that happens here that will display something very important, man. It's just mind-blowing when you read it. We'll see this in the return of the one of the ten healed in our second point, the return of the one in verses 15 through 16. Notice that Luke tells us that there was only one of them that came back. I found out that there's debate as to whether he actually went and got examined. Calvin said that it was somewhat uncertain, but more probable that he was the one that came back because it says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. What we do know is that he turned back praising God with a loud voice. So this is what we see here. We see worship, praising God, following deliverance worship praising God following deliverance this was a reaction to the master and how he displayed his authority over all diseases one definition of praise can be defined as attributing greatness to someone giving glory is the result of finding someone worthy of glory it is to think suppose or judge something as praiseworthy to extol, to magnify, to adore, to worship. It is an expression of acknowledging someone as worthy of dignity, excellence, and majesty. So praise is an experience caused by the truth of what God has done as a result of his character. Praise is the result of knowing God. Have you noticed God? Have you noticed his goodness? Have you noticed that he's gracious to us, man? Us being here and actually desiring to hear what I'm saying to you today from the word is a miracle from God. It took a lot for some of us to be in church. Just to stay in church, just to stay within God's people because all of life for some of us right now is falling apart. It doesn't make sense. But I can still praise because I notice that even through it, I'm seeing God. I'm seeing God. I'm trusting in God. He's still good. Listen, not only did the one who returned experience healing, but they also experienced a deep need to adore and worship because of the healing they received. Because of who this person is, it would have been controversial in the ministry of Jesus. Verse 16 tells us why. Let's read it. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. <laughs> Luke 5, 12 to 16, Jesus healed a man who had leprosy, and the man did the same thing. Fell on his face at the feet of Jesus in humility after he was healed and gave thanks. There was praise, and now we see thanksgiving. Why is giving thanks here significant? Like, isn't this what you're supposed to do? Well, it's important because of who's giving it. Luke tells us that this was a Samaritan. Why is this significant? What's the big deal about a Samaritan giving thanks? I mean, that's the obvious, right? If you were sick in your body 
and someone prayed for you, or the elders of the church prayed for you, and you got healed, wouldn't you say, thank you, Lord? Right? That's natural. That's what you're supposed to do. But what's the big deal here? It came from a Samaritan. It came from someone who was considered unclean. It came from someone who was considered a foreigner. Now, there's some history here. It's interesting because Jesus is not a people pleaser. He's not out to please the crowd or, or, or the group that he was involved in. During intertestamental time, Jews were enslaved by Samaritans. The Samaritans also disrupted the signal fires conveyed the, that conveyed the arrival of the new moon to Jewish residents beyond the Judea. So Samaritans were giving Jews a problem already. In the initial years of Jesus' life, check this out, Samaritans desecrated the Jerusalem temple by spreading the bones of the dead in the temple courtyard. Moments before the priests were opening the gates for the Passover, they spread the whole floor out with unclean bones. The Samaritans' relationship with the Jews was antagonistic and combative historically. This also happened on the end of the Samaritans who were subdued by John Harkinus, a Jew, in the Samaritan city of Shechem, Harkinus, when he seized control of Shechem, full of Samaritans, enslaved them. He also demolished their temple that was situated on Mount Gerizim. So the history here was one of beef. When you saw a Samaritan, no, they, we don't roll with them. The religious leaders who were Jews actually used the identity of Samaritan as a pejorative in John 8:48. They accused Jesus there of having a demon. And also being a Samaritan. So the idea that a Samaritan could be included in the community of God was unacceptable. You don't do that. The fact that Jesus had to be, had him examined so that he would be declared not only clean, but able to be included in the community of faith was taboo. This is why the Samaritan woman at the well said in John 4, 9, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We don't fellowship. It's not what we do. But Jesus was on a different level. Not only on diseases, but on community. He healed diseases, but now he's introducing something new. Or maybe something that was already said. Historically, in the scriptures, we have the Abrahamic covenant that said this in Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice it doesn't say just those who have been circumcised. All the families will be blessed. Isaiah 49, 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's the plan. Lord, all the families of the nation shall worship before you. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven. That was the plan. This is not new news. This was the plan the whole time. The plan was that God, through the promised seed of Abraham, would include and bless all nations. All nations, all classes of people, every male and female, no matter ethnicity. All people of the world will come to faith in Christ. That is the promise. 
So even with the historic hostility and hatred, Jesus prioritized the inclusion of someone like a Samaritan into the community. He healed more than the diseased here. He brought to him faith, which is what the community of God is. Community is not conditional on social status, skin color, or socioeconomic achievement. It don't matter if you're broke here. If you got $500 negative in the account, I mean, that's poor stewardship. You need some counseling here. But it doesn't mean you lost your salvation. With someone who has $100,000 in the bank account, that don't mean you're somebody important. God don't care about bank accounts. He don't care about skin color. He don't care how tall you are, how short you are. He don't care what you are. He cares about who you are. There are many today who act like the religious leaders in our text who didn't want foreigners in their community. But Jesus in this passage teaches us that community is one of faith. And I have to say that because, you know, being from Lancaster City and the pressures of wanting to be a church of color, you know, we need, we, need, we need more Hispanic, we need more Latinos, we need more this, we need... We just need God's people to be here. I don't care where you're from. And it's interesting that some of the people that do the complaining about that are the least involved. They're complaining about everything, but they don't do anything. Why don't you just usher for a couple months and then holler at me about some challenges we have at Christ Alone Fellowship? See, it, community is something that the master does, regardless of where you're from. Notice that nine others didn't return. Luke points out the one as the Samaritan to say that the other nine may have not been Samaritans. In verse 18, he called the one Samaritan a foreigner among the ten. That's implying possibly that the other nine were Jews. What is the purpose for this being recorded in the scriptures here? What is the reason for this? I believe the following verses answered. And the last point in closing, the reason for the miracle, verse 17 Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? The ten were healed, but only the Samaritan returned. Why? Well, they received what they wanted without regard of what Jesus deserved. They got their blessing. They got what they came for. Sadly, that still happens today, Saint. This is an excellent reminder to be careful about what you ask for and what you do after you get you have requested God answers prayer and he blesses but he doesn't do it so that you're satisfied with that you're still as much in need of the Lord at that time when he answers prayer as you were before see abundance chokes out our desperation of him that happens when I'm so blessed and everything's working out in my favor, man, my bank account, man, everything's going good. Everything's just falling into place. Do I know I still need the Lord then? The ones who didn't return, who I believe to be those uh, who were not foreigners to the community, didn't return to give thanks. They got what they wanted. 
without regard to the one who displayed what the Messiah was supposed to do. They got what they wanted, but not what they needed. They needed to return to the master, to give glory to God and to give thanks. We need to do that. It's not that we're supposed to do that. Praise and worship of God is what you need. Did you ever see it that way? We often think maybe incorrectly that God needs it. God don't need you to worship him. He demands it because it's the true thing a believer's supposed to do. It's commanded. So we need to develop a desire to delight in the commands of the Lord to worship him. You're not pulling my teeth to raise my hand up on a Sunday. Even if the worship team, I mean, I love our worship team. They do a great job. But what if they're off on a Sunday? Right? One of the sisters jumped ahead on the verse. And it just kind of like throws us off a little bit. And then the whole worship experience is ruined. You know people judge a church that way? Oh, I don't like the worship. I got to go over. Excuse me. When was worship about you? Oh, the children's program. When was it about you? Well, Pastor Lowe's, man, he be saying stuff. Well, as long as it ain't heretical. We need to worship God. I need to worship God. Just like I need to read his word. I need to pray to God. I need to read his word. I need to worship God because that is why I was designed. It's who I am. It's what I am. That's what I do. They needed to see what Isaiah said in Isaiah 42, 6 through 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people. He says a light for nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. We need to see this saint. They missed their time of visitation. The nine did even while being physically healed. And this is why physical healing is not. The end goal. The word of faith camp preaches it as the end goal. They think that by healing there's revival. No, the nine didn't experience revival. The one did that came back. True healing is when one praises God from a genuine heart. True healing is when one gives thanks to the Lord from a genuine. Life, broken life even. True healing, a miracle, is having faith in Christ. Ten were healed, but only one came back to praise God and to give thanks. Jesus asked in verse 18 of our text, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? A foreigner speaks of someone of another nation. It means not a Jew, a stranger to the promises of God. This was someone who was seen as far from the covenant benefits Promise to God's people. But was he far? I don't think so. And nor God thought so as well. There is no such thing as someone too far from the promises of God. The word far is used in scripture to say that someone is not within the community of God. 
Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, listen, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's all of us. Prior to salvation. But then in verse 13 of Ephesians 2, but now... In Christ Jesus, you have you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. (laughs) God in Christ is the life for the nations. God in Christ has opened the eyes of the blind. God in Christ has brought out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison of darkness. Jesus in our text is displaying messianic power that proved that he was that light of the nations that Isaiah talked about. He was the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. He was the one promised for us. Who would set the captives free and bring the nations to saving faith? No other than Jesus Christ himself. No matter your ethnicity or background, no matter whether you're rich or poor, no matter whether you're male or female, no matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, no matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian or confused, no matter if you're a single mom or dad, no matter your past or current situation, saying God has called you. He has healed you. He has given you salvation. That's what he has done. No matter what you've been through, no matter your past, no matter what people are saying about you, no matter what your past record says. In the Spanish church, there was this song that we used to sing. I translated it in English. It's called Levanto Mis Manos. And it says this. Because I know how heavy sometimes, you know, you hear the sermon, it's like, yeah, Los, but things aren't good right now. I know I'm caught. I know I'm a Christian, but it's whack right now. This song says, Lord, I lift up my hands. Even if I don't have strength, even if I have a thousand problems, I lift my hands. You're able to do that. The Samaritan could have stayed stuck on his ethnicity as a foreigner, as someone who was labeled as unclean or unfit for worship or community, but he had faith. Not only faith, but worship and thanksgiving to the one who deserved it. The one whom the other nine missed out on. Even though they had received healing for their bodies, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. This was the reason for this being recorded. It was for Theophilus and for us to understand that we need to be careful to do what Peter did when God told him in Acts 10, what God has made clean, do not call common. Meaning, do not call what has been made clean, profane, desecrated, ceremonially unclean, defiled, polluted, and impure. Be careful with your brother and sister who's struggling. Oh, they're in sin. They're tripping. They're disobedient. That's you prior to salvation. Careful what you call God's delivering power. Someone who's a believer in Jesus Christ but struggles, careful calling them unclean. And you know what? You don't have to say it with your mouth. You might be doing it with your actions. They're not coming over my house. Well, if only God did that with us. No one is too far and dirty for God to reach and clean. 
There is a tendency to become tribal within the household of God. We have diversity within the household of God, many nations. But we must remember we are one people united by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even a Samaritan considered unclean and unfit for fellowship had faith. Therefore, Jesus said in verse 19, he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Praise the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, faith healing is grand, but faith enduring is grander. So yes, Lord, we need healing, we need deliverance, but more than that, deliver our hearts and install faith in us. So Lord, we ask that you will be with us. We beg that you will be with us and may praise and worship be released from our mouth, giving you